Well, today is, is an exciting day. Um, we're starting a brand new message series that we're calling Parenting by Design. And, uh, you know, a few weeks ago, uh, I asked for your help with this series by asking you to take just a few moments to fill out um, a short survey uh, that looked like this. And uh, on that survey are three questions. And we talked about what, what is your biggest frustration as a parent? You know, for some of us, that's probably uh, pretty deep to try to, to, to write that down and rethink about that. But I appreciate you, you taking the time to do that. Um, also, what is your biggest fear? The biggest fear that you face as a parent. And then finally, how would you like to continue to grow um, as a parent? So your participation, it really did help. I got a lot of surveys back, and I read through every single one of them. Um, There was some pretty serious stuff written down. There was also some funny stuff as well. But as I read over the cards, it became obvious that as parents, uh, many of us have similar frustrations. um, We have similar fears and areas that we'd like to continue to grow in. And, and that really is across the board, no matter what age and stage that you're really in, that you're in. Uh, I had a church member this week remind me that, um, you know, you never really stop being a parent, no matter how old you get. And there's a lot of truth to that. Um, for example, when it comes to the biggest frustration, there was a lot of similarities um, that parents have. The two most common answers that came out of our church were um, negative influence in the lives of our kids. Uh, that one just uh, took the cake on almost everything else. Um, and then also... Uh, not feeling equipped as a parent, you know, struggling to balance the everyday priorities, uh, the, the physical and emotional needs that your families have um, with uh, your everyday priorities, work and just the busyness of life. So not feeling equipped as a parent. Um, when asked the question about your biggest fear as a parent, again, there were a lot of similarities, but the two most common answers, uh, again, negative influence showed up. That was one of your biggest fears. Um, and then the fear that your kids would grow up without a relationship with Christ. Um, Those were the two things that showed up more than than anything. Uh, The third and final question, how would you like to grow as a parent? Again, the answer stayed extremely consistent with the trend in our church. Um, The answers, uh, there were two words. You'd like to grow in patience. I think we all would. And you'd like to grow in encouragement. And when I read that, I took that to mean a couple different things. That um, you'd like to learn how to be more of an encouragement towards your children. And also, um, you don't have enough encouragement in your life. Uh, you'd like to know how uh, you can be equipped and encouraged as, as a parent. So, I, again, I appreciate you taking the time to do that. And these surveys, they, they taught me a couple things. Or, or maybe reminded me about a couple things. Number one, many of us struggle with a lot of the same fears and have similar frustrations when it comes to parenting. And two, um, we know that there are areas in our own lives that we need to continue to grow. We know that there are areas in our own lives that God wants us to grow as parents. And today, if you, if you look around the room this morning, you know, I get a little bit better vantage point up here. But if you look around the room today, this room is full of grandparents Um, and empty nesters. Um, We have parents of college students here and uh, parents of teenagers and and young kids. We have couples and individuals who who don't have kids of their own. But no matter the season of life that you're in, we, we all have kids in our lives in some form or another, whether it's your own kids, grandkids, maybe it's the kids that are are running around the hallways at church. And we all have kids in our lives in some form or another. We have those fears and those frustrations because we, I believe, we want so badly just to get it right. We want so badly to get it right. We want to see our kids make the right choices. We want to see our kids build healthy relationships, be successful. We want to see our kids love the Lord. You know, these are hopes that we have for our kids, no matter the age and stage of life that we're in. We want to get this job called parenting right. 
that's one of the main reasons I think we have a lot of these fears and frustrations. Now, I don't know about you, but as I was thinking about parenting this week and just having conversations with my wife, you know, sometimes I wish my kids would have come with their own instruction manual, <laughs> every single one of them individually. You know, I, I remember the days when, when, we didn't, when we just had one kid. I, I, thinking back to that point, you know, Faith and I, we were able to tag team parent, all right? You know, when something got broken or there was a fit being thrown, whatever it was, and, and we had our oldest for a few years before we had our second we were able to tag team parent, and if, if I was low on energy, she could step in, and if she was low, I could step in, you know? Uh, the team dynamic was, was there, and then we had two kids, and we had to shift from a, a, a tag team parenting style to really more like man-to-man, all right? You take this one, I take this one, and, uh, and, and that was doable, but it took a lot more energy, took a lot, you know, less sleep uh, away from us, and then and then we had three, and we were talking with parents who'd been down that road before, just trying to find encouragement and, and instruction. What do we do? And the, the, the instruction that we got was, okay, you're man-to-man, and now you've got to move to more of a zone defense, all right? So, so faith, I'm right here, and Faith's right here, and we got these three, uh, th- three little guys coming at us, and you really just cover your own area, right? You do what you can do, and, and, and that's what it was, and then... This, the story continues. We, we, didn't, we, we didn't stop with three. We had a fourth. And by, by fourth, I'll just be honest with you this morning. I love basketball and I love sports. Um, but we had to give up on the sports terminology <laughs> when it came to four. Because it was no more uh, you know, zone defense or anything like that. We just gave up on that altogether. And we decided we're just going to take every day as it comes. And some days we get sleep and some weeks we don't. And that's just the reality of it. And many of you here, you've been through that and you have a lot of wisdom to share with the younger generation. And many of you are going through that right now. And today I know for me, if I was, if I was sitting in a chair, I would say, where's the encouragement? Where's the support? Where's the truth that I can take with me today and, and just apply to the, our family dynamic and we can continue to thrive and grow as, as families? You know, thinking back though, I do remember a time when I was a perfect parent, believe it or not. And then I had kids. <laughs> you know, I, I, remember, I remember going out to eat with my new bride before we had kids and, and thinking, you see the, those kids over there in the corner? I bet I could get those kids uh, to behave themselves, you know? And you guys know exactly the ones I'm talking about. It's the kids when you go to the restaurant and they're throwing food, they're yelling at mom and dad. And I, I just remember thinking I would never in a million years let my kids do that. <laughs> and now after having kids of my own I realize that's exactly why you go out and eat isn't it <laughs> it's so that someone else can pick up after your kids for a change because in my mind it's better that they mess up the restaurant than my own kitchen right? and I know faith feels that way well today we're going to kick off a new message series by talking about what, what I believe scripture teaches us is the most important factor about parenting this is huge This is huge. So if I were to ask you this morning the question, what's the most important factor in parenting? I think we would get a lot of different answers across the room. For instance, you might say that, well, the most important factor in parenting, if I can think back, was bringing my kids to church every Sunday. That might be your answer. Or maybe you would say it's helping your kids get a good education, you know, being that support system for them, helping teach them responsibility and then help them land a good job someday. You might say that the most important factor in parenting is helping your kids build healthy relationships and then showing them how to treat people with love, compassion, and kindness in their life. You know, these are all great things. These are all amazing things. And as parents, I believe, fit into the role that, that God's given us to, um, to lead and, and direct our kids. 
But I believe that there's something that should take priority over everything else that I just listed this morning. I believe that the most important factor in parenting is, is for the parent to have a personal and sincere relationship with Jesus. So if you're taking notes, that's going to be the first thing we talk about today. The most important factor in parenting is having a personal and sincere faith in Jesus. In the book of 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, this has to be one of my favorite texts throughout the entire Bible. And there's a lot of context that surrounds this, but I want to read these verses for you this morning. 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Timothy, I thank God for you, the God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we're together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. So, a little bit of context for the verses, the the scripture we just read. Um, Living in a prison cell at this time, the Apostle Paul was led by the Holy Spirit to write 2 Timothy, really as a a final set of instruction for this young pastor um, as as he leads the church in Ephesus. Paul wrote this letter to Timothy as really a way to pass on the torch of leadership to a younger generation. See, Paul was in his final days. Um, I, I don't know, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't believe um, that Paul was getting out of prison again. He writes to Timothy, and, and the point was that he wanted to encourage Timothy and remind him to remain bold in his faith. And that, that word is extremely important. Uh, to be faithful with the mission that God's given him. Which we, we just got done with our series uh, that, that we talked about fishing for men and how the mission is to fish for men, to be active in that mission. And then he wanted to remind Timothy to continue to preach and teach the word of God as he keeps his focus on Christ. So it was, it was really encouragement and some instruction for Timothy. At the very beginning of 2 Timothy, Paul reminds Timothy that he remembers, and I, I underline this word in the text, that he remembers his genuine faith in the Lord. His genuine faith. Now, I'm reading from the NLT today, and I think there is a better translation for this word genuine, and that's the word sincere. I think it more accurately depicts what what Paul was trying to say. And actually, there's a great story that goes along with the word sincere. And I believe uh, that Paul was probably thinking about this when he he chose these words. So uh, the story in Timothy's day, uh, merchants would set up tents and and areas uh, to sell handmade items along the street. This would have been like a modern-day flea market. We had a lot of those in Oklahoma. I haven't seen one around here that I've been to yet, but it would be like a modern-day flea market. And a lot of these merchants, they would sell pottery, and the purpose, the use for that pottery um, would be to fill that, that piece of pottery with water. It was just to hold water, and you could do with it what you, what you please. Now, uh, again, as you walk through the different tents, you would have noticed some of the merchants advertising their pottery as sincere pottery. That's how they would label it. You see, there, there were a lot of dishonest merchants in that day who would sell pottery that actually had cracks in them. And they would get them secondhand from someone else and then they would sell them and pass them off as being authentic. And, and here's how they would do that. The, the pottery would have cracks in it and they would decide to use wax to fill the cracks. So for a while it would work. Someone would buy the pottery, they'd fill it with water, but what happens over time is they would start to leak. After using the pottery a handful of times, the water would would seep through 
the cracks. So the honest merchants, they would advertise their pottery as sincere because they were without wax. It was the real deal. It was genuine. They didn't have any cracks that needed to be covered up. You see, one of the main reasons that Timothy has this sincere faith that Paul's talking about is because it was passed down. It was passed down from his grandmother Lois to his mother Eunice and then to Timothy. The the, the personal and sincere faith that Timothy's grandmother had and that his mother had, it was real. It was the real deal. It would have affected every aspect of their life. And we believe that they were recent converts. This was new for them. This this life change that they had found in Christ was, was new. You see, it wasn't just something that they believed. It was alive in their family and it affected everything. As a side note, I'll say this. I believe one of the reasons that, that I am a pastor today is largely because of some of the men and women who've been in my life who've gone before me and have demonstrated a sincere and personal faith in Jesus. And I've had a front row seat to that. And I know that there's many stories here today that you would say the exact same thing about where you're at in your life. You know, having a sincere faith doesn't mean that you're perfect. So I want you to see this because it doesn't mean that you're without cracks or blemishes. It's actually quite the opposite. And that's not why I use that illustration. It means that your faith is real. Just like the pottery would be sincere. It was, it was genuine. It wasn't counterfeit. Having a personal and sincere faith in Jesus means that your faith is real. You see, God's desire for your life is that you would have a sincere faith in Jesus. It's not counterfeit. It's a personal and sincere faith because of what Jesus has done in your life. And because your life has been changed by Jesus and is in the process of being changed, that life change affects every area of your life, just like Timothy's mother and grandmother. I believe that it only causes more harm to our kids when, when they see us act one way at church. Or they see us act one way around church people, and then they see the way that we live our lives privately behind the walls of our homes. Our kids need to see a sincere faith by the way that we live our lives in every single area. You know, I was reminded about some statistics this week that really do help articulate the current season that, that our culture is in when it comes to faith and the church. So in 2018, this year, uh, multiple studies were taken from organizations like the Barna Group, um, which, which it doesn't really matter what denomination you're from. A lot of churches look to that just to see where the, uh, the theological temperature is at in our country. Um, and, and also a group um, led by um, pastor and author R.C. Sproul. Um, he leads a thing called the State of Theology, and it's basically a survey or a questionnaire uh, for people of all ages and, and generations and the, the purpose of these surveys, again, is to help, help us understand what Americans are thinking when it comes to God, sin, and eternity. Now, one of the studies questioned individuals between the age of 18 and 35 um, who would say that they are Christians or they were raised in a Christian home. So this, this group would be millennials. This is 18 to 35. And the results were extremely alarming, what I'm seeing. So I took four questions that was a part of this survey, and I want to read those for you this morning. Uh, This is from the State of Theology survey uh, with adults 18 to 35. This is the first question. The Bible, like all sacred writings, contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but is not literally true. So with that question, 53% of millennials who said they were Christian or were raised in a Christian home uh, would say they somewhat or strongly agree with that statement. The second question, God is unconcerned with my day-to-day decisions. 
Another way to say that, God's not concerned with the individual choices that you make day to day. 36% of those surveyed said that they somewhat or strongly agree with that statement. The third one is extremely alarming. Gender identity is a matter of choice. 46% of millennials said that they somewhat or strongly agree with that statement. And that's from the group that was surveyed within the church. Evangelical Christians or or individuals who were raised in a church home. Uh, The fourth one, and I think this is absolutely the most important question, only those who trust in Jesus Christ alone as their Savior receive God's free gift of salvation. 38% somewhat or strongly disagree with that statement. This is to help give the church and individuals a a better picture of the theological temperature in our churches today. Why do I share these statistics with you? I'll be honest, I'm not a big statistic person, but when I read these, it really jumped out at me. Just because of, um, I I know the, the publishing company, the organizations that help put these out, there's some weight to this. And these surveys, again, were, were taken to help give us that, that more accurate picture of the, the temperature in our countries. But uh, one side of that, the problem with that is you can believe one thing or say you believe one thing and live your life completely different than that. We all know that. Many of the millennials that I've talked with over the past 10 years, these would be students who came up through our youth group over the past decade. A lot of them, as I talk with them about church and family and, and purpose and mission, Um, They would say that they they don't want to go to church because they saw their parents smiling on Sunday and then verbally abuse them on Monday. Their families would go from hugging to yelling. (laughs) And that's why demonstrating a personal and sincere faith in Jesus towards our kids is so important. Now, I want to say this. I I remind you that no no one is perfect. No one here today is perfect. But when we have a sincere faith in Jesus, it affects every area of our lives, not just Sundays. I would also add this, that I know a lot of millennials. I know a lot of millennials that are in church because someone demonstrated that sincere and personal faith in Jesus in their life. We have millennials in our church today that are here because of that. So there's there's two sides to that coin. But it leads up to the second point that I want to talk about today, and that's extremely important. If you're taking notes, it's this. It's not about being perfect. It's about relying on a perfect Savior. As a parent, it's okay to not be perfect all the time. I want you to hear this this morning, church. No matter what age or stage you're in, as a parent, it's okay to not be perfect all the time. That's not what being a parent is all about. Being a parent, being a follower of Jesus, is about relying on a perfect Savior. It's about recognizing that we do have cracks in our lives, and that's okay. And it's okay for our kids to know that we aren't perfect. You know, we go to church on Sunday and are encouraged. We're reminded about God's truths and His promises, and then halfway through the week, we start to leak again. (laughs) That's just the reality of it. As parents, we still need God's forgiveness. Remember, He's still working on us. And it's okay for our kids to see that process. I would actually say it's healthy for them to see that process. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 says this, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Church, this is what parenting is all about. This is what being a follower of Jesus is all about. This is what a personal and sincere faith looks like. It's knowing that we aren't perfect and allowing our kids to see that we rely on Jesus every single day. 
It's not about putting on the wax on Sundays and then not living authentically throughout the rest of the week. It's about claiming the promise that God is not done with you. He's not done with you. You see, making pottery takes time and God's plan is to mold you towards completion. I love Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8. It says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Now, I can only speak to my own life this morning, but knowing my own life, some pottery has more cracks than others. But when you're sincere in your faith, when you allow Jesus to fill the cracks, we don't try to fill them ourselves. That's what that personal and sincere relationship looks like. And I would say this, that's what I love about the church. That's what I love about the church, or at least what the church is supposed to be. We should be able to come as we are and rely on God to do what only He can do in our lives. The sincerity of our faith becomes lost on our kids when they see us worshiping one day or one way and then acting another. And again, that doesn't mean that, that anyone's perfect. It just means that we rely on a perfect Savior. That leads us to the third point. And I want to say this as you, as you write this down. I changed this this weekend. I don't do this often. But I, I wrote what is on your bulletin, and the bulletins were printed. And I was really wrestling with this this week. And as I was praying about it and reading God's Word, I just felt like What's in your bulletin is not the best way to describe this. So what's in your bulletin is that faith is caught more than taught. I would say that Scripture probably teaches a better way to say this. And that is that faith is caught as well as taught. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 9, and this is what April read for us this morning. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord your God with love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. And then I underline this word in my notes. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. If I were to ask the room this morning, if I were to just survey the room individually, since we're in the vein of surveys today, if I were to ask you what the the most well-known or most spoken passage of Scripture or verse of Scripture in the entire Bible is, uh, many of our answers would probably be John 3.16, right? I see some people nodding this morning. Um, Many, uh, you know, this text, uh, Deuteronomy 6, is known as the Shema and has been recited as a prayer every morning and every evening by millions of Jewish families throughout the generations. Uh, Most theologians agree that this has been the most well-known and spoken passage of Scripture throughout God's Word for the generations. I think that's pretty amazing. And, And here's why. These verses, they help set a pattern that help us think about and relate to the Word of God in our own lives. We're called to love God, hide His truths on our heart, and then impress those truths on our children. Now, here's, here's the interesting part. You hear the word impress. Impress these truths on your children. And what do you think about? I think most people probably think about a forceful action. You know, maybe a designated time that, um, again, that you're, you're, you're maybe force-feeding something to someone. I can tell you when my kids were were really young, and they're still young, but when they were babies, and we would feed them dinner, if, I tried, if they were full and I tried to keep feeding them something and force feeding it, they would spit it right out. <laughs> you know, that's just what would happen. 
The word impress in this context means to make an impression by the way that we live. It means to make an impression by the way that we live. And I would suggest today that as parents, we're called to make an impression by the way that we live, but that we also take seriously the responsibility of teaching our kids about the Lord. And that's why faith is caught as well as taught. We demonstrate a sincere faith by the way that we live and teach God's word to our kids in our, in our own homes. I've seen it for 10 years now as a youth minister and a family minister. So many families rely on the church as the main source of food for their kids. And I would suggest to you that the church should just be the supplement. That when it comes to raising kids in our home, it's the parents' responsibility and the, and the call that they have um, to impress leave an impression, and teach their kids about the Lord. So what are some practical ways that we can impress a sincere faith on our kids? What are some things that we can do? I wrote down three things this week that I think are very applicable. You can write these things down if you want and pray about them, talk about them with your family. The first thing is what we used to, a terminology we used to say with some of the younger kids in our youth groups is that you share God sightings. This is so fun. You share God's sightings. Talk about how God is working in your everyday life. How did God give you the words to say when, when you were angry? You know, how is God helping restore a broken relationship in your life? Why, uh, are, why are you praying for certain needs that your family has? How is God using you to care for and serve the people around you? You see, God's sightings are ways that God has shown up in your life. And I would encourage you to share those with your kids. Share those with your grandkids. Share those with the kids in, in, in our church, in the hallways, when you, when you see them. How is God working in your life? I would say the good times and the difficult times that you're going through. Share those with kids. Share God's sightings. What is he doing? Number two, pray with your kids. And, and what I don't want you to hear is um, pray instead of letting your kids pray. Well, I want you to hear this. You see, when I say pray with your kids, I would encourage you to ask your kids what they want to pray about. You see, a lot of times when our families gather, whether it's for Thanksgiving or Christmas or a dinner after church on Sunday, the adults take the lead in prayer. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. But so many times we just completely look over what's on the hearts and minds of our kids. And if you would just ask them, what do you want to pray about? We learn a lot about what's going on in their lives. We learn a lot about what's on their heart and their minds, and we give them an opportunity to see the importance of prayer by bringing those requests to the Lord. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 is a great promise that you can pair with this. And I would say as you put your kids down to bed at night or as your grand, uh, grandkids come and stay with you, um, whatever, whatever the, the situation looks like, this is a great verse um, to impress on their lives. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. We would let our kids pray about anything. Anything. If, you know, my, my three-year-old has a, a stuffed animal that is, uh, his name's Humphrey. He's an elephant. Um, Humphrey, uh, Phillips can't go anywhere without Humphrey, and Humphrey can't go anywhere without Phillips. <laughs> it's just the way it works. Um, sometimes if Phillips is sad, you know, I would let him pray about that. You can pray about anything. You can pray about anything. God's word teaches us that. And as, as, as the minds of our little ones develop and as they get a bigger picture of God, we need to show them that they can pray about anything. 
And we should give them that platform and that opportunity to share what's on their heart. Because a lot of times that, that relationship that you have with your kids or your grandkids, it only grows stronger through moments like that. We can pray about anything. The third thing is this. It's what we call Bible time with dad or Bible time with mom and dad, however you choose to do it, or Bible time with grandpa or Bible time with grandma. Um, have a designated time. I would encourage you daily, but have a designated time where the word of God is being spoken and taught in the home. Now, a great resource for this, two of them actually. One is something Faith and I have used over the years. It's called the Jesus Storybook Bible. And it takes uh, scripture in the form of a, a story so the kids can understand it more clearly. And it's a little shorter. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I read that because uh, I, it, it's so impactful for my life. Um, I've actually used illustrations from the Jesus Storybook Bible, the way it explains things in sermons, because it does so great at explaining the Word of God so that we can understand. And uh, that's been a great resource for us. Uh, something that we found more recently in the past couple of years, we talk about the, the Bible app, right? And we have uh, the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, and there's for adults there are um, uh, reading plans, uh, devotionals, things that you can read every single day on different topics and things like that. There's actually, um, the, from the same company, uh, a digital Bible for kids now. And what's great about this is it starts in the book of Genesis and takes you all the way through the book of Revelation. And you go through, and every time you complete a chapter, there's a, a task and uh, something the kids get to do, um, questions they can answer. And if they get it right, they get a star. And it, it just helps them learn about the story of Scripture and see how Jesus is present in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It's such a great resource. So I would encourage you, um, Bible time with mom and dad, Bible time with, with grandma and grandpa. Take a specific time, and I would say it takes... 10 minutes maybe, 10 minutes, and the kids love it because that instruction is coming from mom and dad. Again, we're not parent, uh, perfect parents, but we rely on a perfect Savior, and he gets to use us in those opportunities. Explain God's word in the form of stories for your kids so that they can understand Scripture more clearly. Share God sightings, uh, allowing our kids to see, uh, allowing our kids to share what's on their hearts and minds, and then read God's word in your home. These can be great teaching moments that are experienced through making the right kind of impressions. Remember, to impress that on your kids doesn't mean to force that on them. It means make, uh, leave a lasting impression by the way that you live. Impress those on your kids. It's a great way to share faith and pass down faith. It's a great way to celebrate answered prayer as a family. And it's a great way to show our kids that God is interested and cares about every area of their life. Remember, one of the survey questions for millennials today was that God was unconcerned about the day-to-day -day aspect of my life. I would say that it should start today with how we're leaving that impression and, and that instruction on this generation of kids, that we would show them that God does care, that God does care about every decision, every choice that you make. He's concerned about walking with you through every season of life. We should show our kids that truth. Allow them to see that in our lives. God wants you to have a personal and sincere faith in Jesus. And that, that's the most important thing in parenting, I believe. And remember, that doesn't mean that you're perfect. It just means that we rely on a perfect Savior and we allow faith to impact every area of our daily lives. Modeling and teaching a sincere faith is so important for our kids because faith is caught as well as taught. I would encourage you to look for opportunities to share God sightings with your kids, the areas where God is at work in and through your daily life. Give your kids an opportunity to share what's on their hearts and minds by bringing those requests to God. And then have a designated time where, 
the word of God can be shared and spoken in your home. A few questions that I have in closing, and these are rhetorical questions. Uh, Some of them might need to be acted upon today, though. Number one, do, do you have a personal and sincere faith in Jesus? Do you have that today? If not, today is the day to place your faith in in Christ and receive his free gift of salvation. Number two, are are you relying on Jesus as your perfect Savior every day? Remember, we aren't perfect. We were never meant to show up to church and just put a mask on and pretend like everything's okay and then go home and, and, and not live authentically. Are you allowing Jesus to patch the cracks instead of trying to do it yourself? And number three, are you impressing a sincere faith on your kids? and your grandchildren. Impressed doesn't mean that we force our faith on our kids. It means that we demonstrate a sincere faith by the way that we live. We leave a lasting impression. Are you following Jesus in that regard? Are you allowing faith to affect every area of your life so that your kids can have a front row seat to the grace of God? So today is really the starting point where where I want to go over the next three weeks. And I hope that it's an encouragement to you, but also shows you a very real need in the lives of our kids. That is, we're called to impress those truths on their lives. We do that first by focusing on our own relationship with Jesus. We allow him to mold us, and we allow him to patch those cracks. We don't try to do that ourselves. We allow our kids to see that, and they're a part of that process. We can pray about anything. It should be personal and sincere.